Well, Nicole, 63rd season, it's sailing by so quickly. I know. Yeah, the summer, you know, it just goes by so fast. But here, we're, we're up to love letters. Remind everybody, first off, what was the theme for Theater Lahamadou this summer? Oh, thank you for asking that. Uh, we are exploring the cultural tapestry of our community. And with Love Letters, how does that fit in? Love Letters follows uh, two friends over 50 years. So I think everyone in our community can relate to the friendship that starts even as a child. So you'll hear, you'll hear some of that from the beginning, and then this spans over 50 years. So wherever you are, if you're able to hear and understand this, you're going you're gonna to relate to something in this story. And we're going to hear about Love Letters with a special guest here in just a few minutes. Yeah. We want to remind everybody, though, it opens up tonight, and tonight. that starts mm-hmm. with a little preview party on the patio and a little yeah. after party. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Peterson and friends are going to be on our patio live tonight, before and after the show. We always love to celebrate opening night, and so tonight's going to be no different. You'll also have a chance to meet Don and Nancy, the actors of the show, live on the patio after the show. And we have some light bites and, you know, the, it's just a beautiful night. So we're excited to be able to, to celebrate the show tonight. And Love Letters is going to run through the 21st, 730. But I also like that you guys are doing the Thursday matinees. Thursday matinees, they're coming back. So we are, we're excited to have that. People who have been to the Thursday matinee are loving it. So we have that option for people who want to be, you know, home by four o'clock and enjoy the rest of their evening. So that's going to be a fun one as we're going to continue that throughout the rest of the season. And this run, now, normally we go through Saturday night. We don't have these actors available on Saturday, so we're going to go just through Friday, so you're short a day. But, you know, Tuesday through Friday nights at 7.30 p.m. Where was the first time you saw this? Chanhassen Dinner Theater. In fact, we're, we're this is a co-production with Chanhassen Dinner Theater, the first time we've worked with them. This show sold out last fall at Chanhassen, and then uh, they brought it back for February and sold out again. And so now here we are uh, bringing this show right to our stage at Theater Lahamadu. When you announced the season, this is one that people immediately started talking about. Yeah, well, we're excited to wa- welcome Don Shelby back to our stage. He was here in 2015, I think, with River, and then uh, back here, and then Nancy Nelson is a first time to Alexander. We've been having a great time so far. Yeah, we're going to chat with those two in just a moment. Remind everybody how they get their tickets. They want to see this one. Yes, so tickets at tlhd.org or call the box office at 320-846-3150. Do you want to do the honors of introducing no, your special I, you, guest? I, this is a special guest, and I know you've yeah. followed these careers I, for a long a time. So. I, I actually have, you know, just a little perspiration in places that we don't want to talk about right uh, now, but <laughs> these are two broadcast legends. Don Shelby, of course, so many years at uh, WCCO Channel 4 and has won so many broadcasting awards. It's a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure entirely. And Nancy Nelson, I I don't want to age us all, but of course, WTCN and you are also actually one of you, I believe, won a beauty pageant. And Don, I know you're more than capable of doing that. <laughs> oh, I, I did win too. <laughs> <laughs> But you were actually once uh, Miss Minnesota, right? Yes, I was. No. Uh, and uh, to be real clear about it, the dinosaurs were walking the earth at that time. Well, I know it's not proper to ask a lady when you won a beauty pageant, but I will ask you, who was governor at the time? Do you remember who was governor? Uh-huh. Who was it? Do you want to say? Rolvog. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say Ramsey. No, Rolvog. That was his first governor, by the way. Oh. Good grief. <laughs> I am so glad that as there part of this, we could immediately oh. establish yep. that I'm older than dirt. Well. But here's the thing that we experienced at Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. Of course, Alexandria adores Don. Everybody adores Don. Doesn't matter where he is. Um, but both of us have been off the air quite a long time. And people came to the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. I think they wanted to see the show. I think in great part, they especially wanted to see Don in person. And I used to say in our talk back afterwards that I think the reason you're here is because you wanted to see if either of us was still ambulatory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
I would just like to say, as I'm looking at you today, you could still win Miss Minnesota pageant. Oh, yes. 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 Don't stop. Don't, you're so no, funny. You guys are so... Okay, I'm embarrassed. Thank Do you. Do you remember the talent you did for that? Yes. Well, I had to, you, you know, I had to create my own talent. And um, as an actor, couldn't sing or dance. So I wrote... <laughs> Um, a skit about a woman who had to do a talent competition and could not sing or dance. Worked out really well for you. Did didn't not it? win the crown for me. I, I got to. I was second runner up to Miss United States, wow. but I didn't win the crown. Now they mm. still have the Miss Minnesota pageant, don't we? <clears throat> sure, we still do yeah, that. They do. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that's on your resume. But of course, broadcasting. We could go on for hours talking about both of these people's broadcasting career. But I need to know when did both of you get the acting bug? Do you remember when was it for Don? When was it for you? Mm, probably. Was it, 10 or 11 years old. So, oh, young, young. Not yeah. not after retirement, but yeah. even when you're no, young. I wanted to be an actor. Okay. And my father said uh, to me when I, he asked me, what would you want to do? And I'd like to be an actor. I'd like to be a performer. Because I was one of those kids who always needed attention. I just craved attention. So if, if it required good grades to be the uh, valedictorian of the school class, and that meant you got to give the speech then I would do that. Uh, not because uh, school is important to me. Just to be in front of people. Yeah. Uh, if you needed a point guard to play on the basketball team, I did I did that. Uh, if you needed the quarterback, I would do that. If you need the catcher, I would do that. Anything to get attention. And uh, I thought that was the easiest way to get attention, where people come purposely to attend to you. And so, yeah, it started uh, very, very early, but the father gave me the advice that no, it depends on luck. You can be the greatest actor in the world, but if the director doesn't like you or the casting person doesn't like you or if the producer doesn't like you, it can be a popularity contest. And trust me, you don't want to be in a popularity contest. (laughs) But it all worked out in the broadcasting career and you still get to do some acting and even... Dave Moore, your predecessor, a man that everybody still remembers here in Minnesota. He loved to act, too, and did it many times on TV. And not only did he love it, he was an actor. Uh, He graduated with uh, James Arness uh, at Washburn High School and uh, Jim's little brother, Peter Graves. And when they graduated from the University of Minnesota, they got in a a car and drove to Hollywood and uh, hoping to make a big splash. And James Arness and Peter Graves did. And Dave didn't, and so he had to drive back home by himself and take a job at CCO, which had been given, by the way, to Walter Cronkite. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. That was part of the... And uh, and then Cronkite said, no, he got a television gig. He came out of CBS Radio. And so he said, okay, I'll do that. But he was always an actor, and so everything I learned about anchoring, I learned from him. Uh, I think maybe he learned some things about journalism from me, but he wasn't a journalist. He was a communicator and an actor and the best ever. So anyone who ever wrote a script for him and heard it back when he said it would say to themselves, I'm a hell of a writer. But if anybody else read that script, it didn't sound very good. Yeah. But he could make it sound perfect. So let me ask you this, and I don't want to talk about the broadcasting part of this because we're here for Theater Lahamadu, but... How come you or Dave, the, the big network, the CBS, the ABC, I'm sure they came calling. Why did you decide to stay in Minnesota? Well, I had, I turned down 13, so I counted them. <laughs> you got to keep those on the shelf. Yeah. Uh, that helps your ego that there are 13 requests from, uh, there were all three networks. And then later, when I got older, one from uh, PBS. Uh, 
uh, so probably 14. Because I owed so much to the people of Minnesota, uh, I couldn't think of using anybody from Minnesota as a stepping stone anywhere. CCO was notorious for sending people off to CBS. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 13 yeah. of uh, CCO alumni uh, became part of either ABC, NBC, or CBS. Yeah. The bulk of them at CBS. And Nancy, you had a chance to go to Los Angeles and actually did. You spent time out there as a news anchor, right? I did. I um, I went on stage here in, in, in the Twin Cities at the age of eight. And I had my first TV show when I was a senior in high school. Uh, of course, wanted acting to be my career, ended up with talk shows. Uh, I was my husband's competition. Billy did the midday news at WCCO-TV, and he had a 30-minute block, and I produced and hosted a 90-minute block over at 11. Of course, the wonderful Bill Carlson oh, you're talking about. Oh, my Billy. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Noon, noon was, you know, staple. I had to watch him, and yeah. I, I love that he interviewed a lot of theater people. Yeah, well, yeah. and, and that, that came... Um, uh, at some point, we ended up doing a lot of work with the film companies for almost 30 years. Right. They took us all over the world to interview, primarily on the sets when they were um, uh, creating the show. <clears throat> and and we did the thing back then they called electronic press kits. Of course, they don't even exist anymore, Don, because there was another wave of people that went on, quote, junkets. Billy and I did a production stuff with them for the most part. But um, yes, at some point uh, I was doing the talk show over Channel 11 and Billy and I had gotten, uh, like Don, you know, if, if you're worth your salt and, w, and Minneapolis, St. Paul is a big market. So they looked there. Billy had gotten several um, offers over the years and I'd gotten a couple and we were really dedicated to being here and at home and making a pleasant living and being with our family and our friends. It was more than the ladder climb. But when I got an offer to Anchor News in L.A., um, we talked about it hard and I cried and I said, this is crazy. I can't do this. And Billy said, I will support anything you want. But here's the deal. I don't want you to turn it down because you think that it'll be hard for us and then try to live with a what if. I'd rather have you do it and then say it didn't work. And so we got a little efficiency apartment in LA and um, I was on the air Monday through Friday, flew home Friday night, flew back to work Sunday night. Only time in my life I was ever fired. Rupert Murdoch bought our station and cleaned out that news show. Mm. I had no idea how he thought he could do That's a news That's actually op- a compliment. But yeah. how could he do the news operation without me? He, mm. Amazingly, right. he did. Right. <laughs> you know, one of your, um, I'm sure, friends, because you guys all are in this market, Paul Majors went also to L.A., but he also said, too, that his roots really were back here with the Minnesota people. You know, yeah. He truly loved Minnesota as he, well. Minnesota wraps its arms around yeah. you. I, I was born and raised here, and um, I just, it, it is a place like, None other, especially if you've worked in a lot of other places. Uh, it, it's it's just glorious to have been born here and raised here and been allowed to have a, a wonderful, happy career here. So on the subject of when did the acting bug hit you then? Mm-hmm. Um, I w- I, it, there was a teacher's conference in second grade, Miss Tochi. And Miss Tochi told my mother and father that you need to do something with Nancy. She won't stop talking <laughs> and she memorizes everything. I think we, we just, all have the similar report cards yeah, back in the day. We just age had a class play, yes. and two of the children couldn't be in the class play. Nancy said she'd do it, and she did all of their parts and her part. So I suggest you go down to a woman named Hazel Ahmed at McPhail, downtown Minneapolis. She does acting classes. And um, my mom and dad were very, very blue collar. We There weren't two nickels to rub together ever. And I know that just to have the money for those lessons, 
was really a deal for my mom and dad. And Hazel um, had a group that everybody who wanted to be an actor, you know, you're a kid, right, wants to be in was the Jack and Jill players. And you had to be in high school. And I was eight years old and I was a little person. And I guess they needed little people. And she put me in the Jack and Jill players. So every weekend, we, my mother would drive me over to a school lot and we'd get on the bus and we'd go and do this play at the church or this play. And so I started when I was eight years old and I was two weeks out of high school when I interviewed Don Stoltz on a television show. And he said to me, have you ever acted? And I said, yeah. And, oh, Hazel will come out and audition. And he cast me in a show two weeks out of high school. And I was there for almost 20 years. Wow. I was on the air during the day and there at night. Back in the day, Equity used to call it, Equity, the Actors Union used to call a contract young leading man and young leading lady. I don't know if that even exists anymore. I'm sure it doesn't. And um, I was contracted in as the young leading lady, and Nicky Nolte was the young leading man. Nick Nolte. Yeah, Nick, yeah. They're the one we all know. Nicky, yes. yeah. Wow. Nick, yes, yes. And so um, I was opposite Nick about four wow. years. Do you think now in Hollywood and the strike that's going on, you know, both of you can answer this question. The writers are on strike, the actors are on strike, and there's people that watch these shows and they go, yeah, it's fun to watch, but these people already are making so much money. No, they're not. No, they're not. Don, you know that. When you get to be the star, whatever that means, you're the one on camera, or you're the Matt Damon, or you're the George Clooney, these people make a lot of money. We're 180,000 strong union members in SAG-AFTRA, SAG Screen Actors Guild after American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Less than 4% of that 181,000 people make enough of a living to support their family. They are working as extras. They're working a gig now and then. Um, there's no health insurance unless you have worked X number of months or days. So they're trying to do that. And the business is expensive, but we also know that there is a huge amount of money that the producers... Uh, and make, and I don't begrudge them that. But if you're not willing to take care of the people who allow you to make that much money, there's something morally indecent about that. Don, I, yeah. I don't know where you are on that, darling. Well, I'm a very staunch uh, trade unionist. Yes. And uh, been a part of strikes. And Yep, we both have. Uh, and it is a, a little story that might help. Uh, illustrate this um, when I was anchoring and I was making top buck compared to mm -hmm. the people who were the writers, producers. Oh, even the uh, even the the reporters out on the oh, street. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that uh, when I started, they were making thirty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, a year. if that, yeah. And that, and most of them had to have second jobs, or they had to have spouses who were making way more money for them to to live. And so the uh, we came in, I, no one was asking for more money for the top end boy. We were asking for more money for the entry people and for the uh, line producers and for the PAs and, and staff who were a member of the union. And I remember dealing with CBS directly and they and I said, I'll walk them out. And they laughed at me and hmm. said, uh, no, you won't. Uh -huh. We've dealt with you kind of people many, many times. You talk is cheap, hmm. but uh, you're making that big money. Uh, when we cut that money off, you're going to hurt a lot quicker than someone who is not making as much. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, watch me. I'll pick up the uh, standard and uh, 
and lead them out of this place. And they said, you know, don't be silly. I said, you don't know me very well. And we did. Wow. Yep. Wow. I remember. And of course, <laughs> Billy, we, we, we right. were out. Yeah. Right. We were out. Yeah. And and part of that oh, with the writer's strike is, is uh, interesting because a lot of uh, people in SAG-AFTRA who support, they know, they can't say words. They, there's nothing to act right. unless the writers are creating these right. things. Exactly. Uh, and so they are, were willing to, they were already negotiating, let's just not cross the picket line, which is good trade unions. Yeah. You don't cross the line of a sister union, brother yeah. union. And no. so that they were put in this position to hold. They finally had to uh, say, there's enough of us in this group who won't cross the picket line. That So half the cast shows up. So they said, all right. In support, we'll call us trust. I, I really enjoyed your perspective on that. I appreciate that. Let me um, ask you now. We're going talking to Nancy Nelson, by the way, and Don Shelby. Love letters at Theater La Hamadou. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. You and I, Don, actually have something in common. And no, it's not that you still have beautiful locks of hair at your age. And I got to wear a hat something? and I'm in radio. <laughs> Often it's in a ponytail. <laughs> when, when he does Andrew Makepeace Lad, he cuts so the ponytail a little. No, we actually played the similar role. Me in a community theater version. And you, I think, in a professional role down in the cities of the narrator in Rocky Horror. What, a, what a thrill is that, right? Here yeah. we go. Yeah. It's Here a step to the left. Just your hands on your hips. Ask, you know. yeah, please yeah. ask Don how he liked wearing the fishnet stockings <laughs> and the stiletto heels. Do ask. Mm. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, yeah. And the chill. Oh. It's part of the yeah, role. Yeah, Nicole uh, saw it, and I think that's the reason she uh, brought me up. For this. <laughs> no question. Ah, no question. Is there going to be a surprise because in love letters? There, no, it is <laughs> not, not over letters, my dead body. <laughs> In my performance, and I would bet not in yours, I wore ass chaps. Do explain what that is, Donald. Yeah, that is uh, chaps, as you might imagine, where your butt is totally uh, visible to everyone. And uh, <laughs> thank, oh, thankfully in St. Cloud, no, they did not allow that. If only they could see his face. They he loves telling out. this story about his bumpa showing on stage. <laughs> did you did you have a trainer for that particular part I, of the I I did not. <laughs> so whatever was there yeah. was visible to everyone. But such a fun show, and you did it more than one yeah. season. But I had been showing that uh for a long time. <laughs> oh, huh. As as people like to say, uh showing your blank mm-hmm. uh in public. I've been doing that and gladly. <laughs> <laughs> ask and it could happen here this moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just always a, an ask away. Uh, I see Nicole writing things down. Yeah, she might be thinking about bringing Rocky in. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on while I program All right. Let's talk about this very unique show, Love Letters. You guys have done it at Chanhassen Dinner Theater quite a few times. It's sold out performances. What is it about the show that people are loving so much about, Nancy? It starts in 1937. With two children of privilege, they are eight years old, and mother says, write a thank you note for your birthday present. And these two young kids start writing each other back and forth. And they write each other through summer camp and boarding school and college and marriage and divorce and children and all the problems that life presents. And we are on a roller coaster with them because we can all understand that life is up and down. There's joy, there's happiness, there's anger, there's betrayal, there's resentment. We are with them through all of that. And ultimately, they never get together 
But what we learn is that they are only the only constant in one another's lives. We are with them for 50 years wow. as they write to one and another. You go through that experience as an audience. And, and, and people laugh and people cry. It, it is just an extraordinary play. And of course, Don, it was written a long time ago. Yes, it was written in 1988. It won the Pulitzer Prize. A very strange thing for a play with only two people. Also strange is theater experience. Lines are not meant to be memorized, so it's not two people interacting, play, moving around the, the sets, acting overtly toward the other, and they never look at each other because it's called Love of Letters for a reason, because they are reading letters. And we could be off book if we wanted to. We can memorize that material. Mm-hmm. But then if we memorize the material, why would you call it Love Letters? Yeah, you're not read, <laughs> reading the you're letters. You're just exactly. talking to people. Yeah. So you're reading these letters. One thing that's really great about this show and this performance with these actors is that they are actors. So a lot of times this show is done where they take, you know, two local celebrities that are in the town or something and put them on stage and have them read these letters back. And that does happen and it's really fun and great and a way to be able to, to involve the community in the theater. This show and what's so great about this particular production is that it was, it is acted and it is directed and we have amazing lighting and sound and all of those things where it still is exactly like Don just said, two people sitting on stage reading these letters, but they are acting the letters. And I think that's really, really special about this production and why one of the reasons I was so drawn to it and and bringing it to to Alexandria. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was just thinking as you're talking about love letters, it's kind of a shame that that has kind of gone away. People Mm. don't take to pen and paper anymore. No, there's nothing to hold on to anymore. I have all of Billy's letters and love notes over the years. I have so many that my mother and father did. And every time I write somebody, text somebody, I think I need to write it down. Mm-hmm. I've at least tried to always still send people a birthday card in written hand because it makes me sad. Maybe this will inspire people to go home after they see this and do just that. You know, maybe write a, a letter to a friend they haven't written to in a while or a past love, perhaps. This show is a very emotional experience. Happy, sad, full of pathos. Don't you think? I, th- I think people leave very emotionally touched. Don? Yes. Very, very. Because there are things in their own lives yes. that parallel. Yes. Uh, and so it is an emotional roller coaster. And I am uh, so pleased to be a part of this with Nancy and, and with Nicole's uh, lovely statement. These letters are just words, but there are raw emotions mm. that come out of these letters. And anger comes, love comes out. And devastation, devastation oh. comes out. And you, you don't expect that from just two people sitting right. at desks, separate desks, never interacting with the, each other, but just reading their letters out loud. But when I asked Nicole earlier, how does this fit in with her theme for the summer? It's just that over the course of a lifetime, we all yes. go through those things. Yes. I mean, there's the ups, there's the downs, and we're just going to be able to share. There these. are moments when there are particularly poignant things that are said or they're funny. Um, the audience, oh, Oh, I mean, you just hear that. they It's yeah. just, it's as if they got punched in the gut yeah. because it's personal yeah. to them. Yeah. Well, it is Love Letters. It's uh, going to be very unique. And with these two, especially in the show, what an honor. I know you lived in Alexandria for 25 yes. years. So yeah. You're coming back home. It's kind of nice to, you know, I suppose do that. Is this your first time on the Theodore Lahamadou stage? I, oh my, yes. It's, yeah. And I just, this is such a beautiful community. Yeah. Um, there's something about a community that doesn't exist when you're in the big city and you can feel the arms wrapped around you. This is a wonderful place. And this theater, 
Lordy, this is a magnificent theater. I know Chanhassen is terrific, but the patrons that come to Theater La you'll feel that immediately. Oh, and, feel. And, but, but, and the physical space itself, I'm just yeah. completely blown away. It is so thrilling to be a part of a community that has the dedication to... Uh, a theater like that. Yeah. So I want to say Love Letters is a show that you do not want to miss at Theater La Hamadou. What did, I always ask this question, and you guys will probably have different answers. What do you want to see when patrons leave Theater La Hamadou thinking about, about this show, Don? That it was um, not what they expected, and it was more than they expected. And Nancy? That they recognize how important it is to value another and to be present for them in their life because so often the ride is difficult for someone be there for them. That too. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I, did, I didn't say that. Uh, Don's putting an addendum to his. I love you, Don <laughs> Shelby. And, and Don Shelby said, it's additionally. Be, yeah. I'll edit that and make sure it comes out of Don's mouth. It's going to be really nice. A, a very unique show, uh, to say the least, at Theater La Hamadou. Again, it runs through the 21st, 7.30 p.m. performances, except for Thursday at 1.30. Nicole? Let's get the folks out there because they they don't want to miss this one. Yeah, you don't want to miss this one. It's really a special show. And um, after every show this week, we're going to do, except for tonight, opening night, um, unless you're hearing this beyond Tuesday, because we love that this is a podcast and you can listen to it all week. Um, But after every show, uh, Don and Nancy are going to stay on stage for a talk back after the show. So you'll be able to ask questions and, you know, see, watch them switch from character to real life and talk about their show and talk about their feelings. I think I have a $100 bill. If you come out tonight after the show in those ass chaps, I will throw the $100 bill uh, on the stage. Don't do it. I have an, I have an extra pair All of right. pants with me, and I've got some scissors. And can we break into time warp after? Let's do that as well. You can wear my, I have size 10s. If you can squeeze into those, you can wear my size 10 heels. Nicole, thank you. Nancy, what a pleasure, Don Shelby, Thank what a pleasure. So Thank much. you for taking the time. Love letters, Theater Lahamadu, now.